Welcome to the Blister Podcast, a program dedicated to interesting people, the great outdoors, and a bunch of other stuff we like. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, the founder of Blister, and you can check us out online at blisterreview.com, where, among other things, we publish in-depth and totally honest reviews of outdoor sports equipment. So, once again, here we are at SIA, um, and I am here in a very prestigious company. It's not really true, but it's... um, there are, uh, I am here with a few folks from Blister. Um, we've got our associate editor, Cy Whitling. Cy. Hello. It's nice to see you. Uh, we're here also with Scott Nelson. Um, Hello, Blister's, <laughs> Blister's park skier extraordinaire. Funny thing about Scott, one, he has terrible taste in music. Yep, I like fish. He likes fish. Fish is good. I've seen him 14 times. Uh, It's an ongoing disappointment. Uh, Second thing about Scott is, little known fact, but Scott might actually be the best skier at Blister, which would mean we hide him a little bit on the park side of things. But, I mean, you've got to effectively, uh, I I don't know, I I think we could call you, can we use a word world class i mean like when it comes to say mogul skiing uh, i've competed on the international level in three disciplines half pipe slope style and moguls wow Sai, what have you done lately i landed backwards last week <laughs> <laughs> on purpose so yeah i like i like the idea that scott uh scott's a good skier we have another good skier uh tasha tasha's with us today um she won some stuff it was a little unclear. She's she's pretty <laughs> humble about her her background, but um, yeah, uh, Tasha's gonna let us know what she's seen on the women's side. Um, yeah, so this is this is who we have today. So uh, we've got one day down at SIA. Um, it's sort of the typical uh, typical mix of too many booths, too much stuff to see. But I wanted to get some initial impressions from you guys um, about what you have seen so far. Um, so Tasha on the women's side of things. All right. Well, today I kind of focus on boots a lot. Skis is sort of overwhelming when you're going around SIA for your first time ever. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of stuff. Um, but I was really interested in looking at the touring side of women's ski boots because currently I feel like the men's side is really it's leaps and bounds ahead of the women's. Right now you have the Mountain Lab, which seems like an awesome boot. Mm-hmm. And the Mountain Explorer came out in a specifically women's version, or is coming out in a woman's version for yep. 1617. And it's really cool. Um, it is the same as the men's Mountain Explorer. And so like 90 flex, all of that good stuff. Wait, what do you mean it's the same? They're calling the Mountain Explorer 100 Flex. Oh. Yep. For next year, I thought they were calling it a 90. When I saw ORs, women's is 90, men's is still 100. Oh, okay. Maybe I messed that up. But is this some... So women's is the 90, men's probably the 100. So this, this, though, the interesting question would be is, are they actually the same boot? And we're just so going to call they, one a 90. They said that the materials were the same okay. for making them, but one is a 90 
probably maybe not the same boot. Not sure on that. Yep. I'll check tomorrow. And it could be a difference in the liner too. Exactly. Yep. Um, hmm. The bummer on that is they are only making it down to a 24 and a half size, which cuts out maybe about 50% of women who would want to ski that. It's 23, 22s. 23s are a pretty normal size for women. Yep. Most are usually sold in that. So for next year, the women's Mountain Explorer only goes down to a 24. 24.5. Yep. Okay. So. Okay. Yeah. Um, what else were you seeing on women's on the women's AT side for boots? Um, also, from Solomon, we have a entirely new line that is the women's and men's QST boot. Yep. Those are heavier than the Mountain Lab or Mountain Explorer. Yep. But they offer in the woman's side a 110, a 90, and an 80 flex. They're a four buckle boot yep. with a power strap, and they seem really interesting and come in down to a true 22 size. Yep, that those Q, uh, sorry QST yep. boots. Um, it is very interesting. It looks like they've. It's like the X Pro line had a baby with the Mountain Lab line. So it's not a tech boot. There's not a tech toe on it, but it is a custom shell with a walk mode, right? They, on the 110 and 90 flex, they come with tech toes. Replace, swappable Re swappable tech, tech, uh -huh. tech toes. Not the 130s though? Or do you know? Uh, yeah. So in women's, they don't okay, have okay. a 130. Right, right. They also have an 80. Huh. But the 80, I think, has a swappable tech toe but they don't ship them with that. They said that you can swap on a toe, but it okay. won't come with it. Yeah, that, the, that QST line actually is pretty intriguing to me because it's their full custom shell, which yes. we reviewed the Solomon X Pro 120, and I got an amazing fit out of that boot. Um, so I, I do think that's very intriguing. I'll have to, we'll have to double check on the, if the men's uh, 130 is tech toe swappable because that would be pretty significant actually mm -hmm. um cool yeah um, um also lang is yeah. coming out with their free tour line yep. which is new for 1617 and that is similar to the xt line in, but more touring oriented um and comes with tech soles yep on all of the boots and they have a men's 130, a men's 110, and a woman's 110. And they're all four buckle boots that are heavier than a lot of touring boots. The woman's a 24.5 comes in at 1770 grams, which is substantially heavier than the Mountain Lab at about 1500, I believe. Mm -hmm. um, but they're four buckle boots that are meant to be skied hard and still have a walk mode with 40-something degrees range of motion during walking and a texel. Yep. Yeah, and they said, <clears throat> I believe they're saying it, it basically is the same walk mode as, as they have on the current non-tech-toe XT boot that we reviewed, and that is a great, great Alpine boot with a walk mode. So it will be interesting to see now that they've given it a tech-toe 
in terms of the range of motion, if it is better, if it's similar to the current XT, but um, yes. but it does look like a good. Right now, they're claiming 43 degree range, range of motion okay. on that. Okay. Um, cool. Um, Scott, what is going on on the park side of things? Uh, well, it's become more clear than ever to me today that uh, the larger ski manufacturers are seeing that there's no money in park skiing. Um, <laughs> a lot of them are cutting their lines of park skis. I think the biggest culprit in this would be Fisher. Um, you know, Fisher cut the guru. They're down to just the nightstick, which they haven't put any R&D into. It hasn't changed in years. It's pretty much since it came out in 2012, 2013, around then. Um, yeah, they dropped their biggest athlete, Joss Christensen, recently. Um, yeah, I mean, it just seems that, you know, the money's not there. The money's in what these guys are doing. The money's in AT and Big Mountain and stuff because, you know, 45-year-olds that have real jobs do this stuff rather than, you know, 19-year-olds that are looking for the cheapest, most durable product. And so, uh, you know, but that doesn't mean uh, interesting things aren't happening. Um, I'm really excited about the uh, Soul Rider 87 from Nordica. Uh, it's just the... Uh, the Soul Rider 97 uh, scaled down in, in all dimensions, um, and it should be a more nimble, fun park ski, all retaining the playful qualities of the original Soul Rider that a lot of people have come to love in the last five years or so. Yeah, that's we keep giving the the Soul Rider. We we've sort of made this commitment, like if you don't change it, we're just going to keep giving it like a blister best of award. And and so far, Nordica like keeps holding true and they don't change it but they're so they're, they've got a narrower version they have it. a narrower version it's replacing the uh, one-man wolf pack the omw uh yeah. not replacing it i mean it's it's a different ski uh truth be told but it's replacing that portion of their park ski lineup there it's it's their narrow you know do it all no nonsense park ski although it isn't going to be you know the contest slope style ski that the nordic ace of spades was before or the omw was to a lesser extent it will be more playful it'll be softer um, and, you know, that's, that's another trend that I noticed that companies, the larger brands that are actually staying within park skiing, they're no longer building these competition burly park skis. They're, they're appealing to what kids are actually buying, which is something softer, something more playful. You know, they're, they're appealing to the guys that, you know, ski park, ski boxes in Vermont rather than, you know, somebody who's trying to hit freeway at Breckenridge and hit 80-foot jumps. Hmm. Um, you know, Rosignol is a big example of that. Uh, they haven't changed their park line except for the Scratch, which has been a long-time staple as, like, a regular camber, uh, you know, do-it-all, big jump, half-pipe kind of ski. Now it's just a skinnier version of the Slat, which is uh, featuring uh, tip-and-tail rocker, uh, less camber underfoot, and so it's no longer, like, a, a big jump X Games type machine that it used to be. So that's a big difference. Um, the Icelandic Nomad replaced the Denali and got even softer. So yeah, I mean, you know, the, the big move I think is toward these a little bit wider, a little bit softer, more playful park skis, because that's what kids are buying. And, and I mean, I enjoy riding them, so I don't really have a huge issue with it, but it is interesting to see the, this sort of void opening up because of, you know, pretty much purely financial reasons. Is there so you're seeing some of some of the companies? It looks like they're kind of opting out or 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 toning down their park ski lines. Like, what of the companies that are still making park skis? What what are we seeing? I mean, is it are we seeing kind of it's the same same thing year in and year out? Are we seeing kind of innovation or experimentation? Where where are park skis well, nowadays? If if nothing else, Armada totally revamped their line. Um, they streamlined it, so they um, they realized that the uh, there was too much overlap with the T Hall and the AR7. They're pretty damn similar skis, to be honest. So they cut those and they made the ARV line, which is now comes in an 86, which is 
basically replacing the AR-7 and the T-Hall at the same time. They keep the um, 96, which was the ARVTI, it's the same ski, and they added the 106, which is sort of a playful all-mountain ski. Um, so they, they changed a lot there. The B-Dog from Armada got totally overhauled, and in my opinion, that ski kind of sucked, so I'm glad they did that. Um, that's, uh, they changed it. That ski has more camber now, believe it or not. Um, and it's a little, it's very soft in the tip and tail, but it's, it's got a little bit of subtle tip and tail rocker. Uh, the Idolo fortunately stays the same because that's my favorite ski in the world. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, a lot of companies that, you know, a lot of companies have kind of stuck with their guns. You know, a lot of companies haven't changed. You know, a lot of the bigger companies, like, have not changed much from last year. Mm -hmm. uh, Head and Atomic haven't changed their free ski lineups at all. Neither has Vocal. Um, K2 is actually doing some pretty interesting things. They're consolidating. Uh, they took away the Shreddedder 92 and the 102. Uh, their product manager explained it best. Uh, they took sort of the, the burliness of the, um, the uh, Shreddedder 112 and sort of, I mean, the, the 102 was kind of wimpy. It was kind of a soft, kind of flappy ski. So they made the Poacher 96, which is basically filling the void between the, uh, the 102 Shredditor and the 92 Shredditor, and it's, uh, it's a stiffer, it's, it's, a, it's a rocker park ski with, you know, camber underfoot, but it's actually got some, some grit to it. It's, it's a bit stiffer, and, that and I'm actually very excited about that ski. Yeah, that ski looks really interesting, mm -hmm. and so we are, we are definitely going to review that. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, it's the top of my list right now. Yep, that's the top of your list. Way up there. Yeah, definitely. Huh. Interesting. Um, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll get you on that one and see what you think. Um, Width-wise, what are where are we living on that? Is it still a broad range? Is that consolidating? Um, you know, I, I, it, it's it's always going to be a, a broad range because there are a lot of you know diverse opinions and what people want. But I think that you know a, a void that a lot of companies are, are looking to fill are, are basically skis like the Line Blend and the Soul Rider. So something in that 96 to 102 underfoot that still can qualify as a park ski. Uh, something maybe soft and playful and buttery, but but you know wide enough that you feel like you have a nice base under you, and uh, and so I think that you know I don't know if that was steered by by kids actually wanting that or that's what's sort of the pros are kind of riding nowadays, but but that seems like a, a market void that a lot of companies are all trying to to fill and and sort of surround the uh, the uh, line blend and the Nordic Assault Rider 97, so I think mm -hmm. that that's that's a big there's a big push in that that category, and is that because the people buying these skis are actually using them, say, as 50-50 skis in the park and as all-mountain? Or, or is it even the people who are only hanging out in parks are going to just a wider platform? Yes and no, um, both all at the same time. Uh, sort of the, the, the more, you know, the tight pants, Hesher kids are looking for a wider ski. Um, you know, anybody that watches, you know, video edits like Line Traveling Circus and whatnot, all of those skiers are on the blend. Um, and, and it's just more fun. I mean, like a wider park ski, I mean, in my opinion, is, is just is leaps and bounds more fun, especially when it's a bit softer and has some tip and tail rocker. It's just very playful, just surfy, buttery. I mean, you just don't get that out of, out of, a, out of a narrower ski. But that's why I'm curious about the Soul Rider 87, because it is a scaled down version of the Soul Rider, which is so much fun. Yeah. That's why when I'm in the park, I only go in on the DPS Lotus 138. That makes sense. Because yeah. I'm just, I want that wide platform. <clears throat> so that ski, I mean, people think of the Lotus 138 as a POW ski. And I'm like, y'all are just missing the boat because, man, you, sh stability. you should see me, you should see me hit rails on the Lotus 138. Oh, definitely. That's, that's, on the, that's a high on my wish list as well for a park ski. Yeah, yeah. 
um, we should probably tell DPS about this. It could be a whole <laughs> new marketing angle for them. Uh, or the ultra, spoon. Ultra light carbon fiber yeah. pipe skis. Yeah. You can land sideways Get, with that spoon tank. I think we might. <laughs> I actually Didn't now. Surface do that. Surface, surface, surface basically awesome. did that. Oh, yeah. I think I now actually want to like make, I want to get a DPS spoon, center mount it, and then I want to see you do a park edit. Um, People would cry. People would be so upset. I think you might cry. I don't <clears throat> think so. I think so, I'd have a ball. Really? Oh, yeah. Okay, we might need to look into this. I think the people that ski is actually made for might have conniption fit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I think we Stop would, reading I think we would just be simply progressing the sport. As, uh, <laughs> You know, so I'm, I'm interested in this. Um, I'll pick the music for the edit, though. Okay, all right. Is that a deal? Um, Sai, what have you been seeing? Yeah, so I've been looking more on the, like, all-mountain to touring side of things, um, and I've kind of been noticing bigger trends on that whole angle where it seems like for a little while, um, well, and still, backcountry skiing is really, really hot, as Scott mentioned park is not as cool as backcountry skiing hmm. which uh, you know there's a whole nother bag of worms with that with the safety implications of like we've got crazy avalanche risks and a bunch of deaths this year already and yep. that's a whole nother bag of worms but um it seemed like for a while everything was going to the end of the spectrum like backcountry's hot let's get really really light let's get really really fast and it's kind of I almost feel like people are scaling it back now where they're saying yeah people are going in the backcountry but actually these all these people we've converted aren't going that far they're not going that hard and so we can give them a higher performance product and make some weight sacrifices to do that um, and so we're skiing we're seeing um, like a touring skis that are weighing a little bit more but they're going to be a lot damper and a lot more fun to actually ski see and we've seen that on the boot side with like the mountain lab being our favorite you know it's the blister product of the year and I think there's going to be a bunch more boots kind of coming into that bracket and you can see like the um, blizzard's got their zero g boot which yep. is pretty much it's exactly that market it's like yeah you can walk uphill but it's going to be just as fun to ski down as your alpine setup or close to as fun um well that remains to be seen I yeah. mean I, I, that that zero g boot looks really impressive um we'll find out I mean what the it is coming in in a size 26.5 right at 1500 grams and it's a four buckle boot um we'll <laughs> we'll see what it how how well it goes downhill but um yeah it's an interesting yeah interesting product and that other and that far end of the spectrum is still covered very well with um stuff like the new arcteryx boot or the new dinafit tlt7 yep. or the um atomic backland which we've already reviewed like that it's not like that side of the market's died it's yep. just that I think people are realizing they're toning it back. And even, it's funny, talking to pack manufacturers, they're going, we're, we're looking at this like 18 to 25 liter range because it's people doing short tours, doing a lot of side country, and it's, that's where the market is. Um, mm -hmm. And so you've seen a lot of new products, outerwear, packs, skis, and boots that are all aimed at that touring, but not crazy long tour, mountaineering kind of stuff, which yep. I think is a growing segment. I think that's definitely true, a trend that we are hearing a lot, I mean, I've been, I don't know, <laughs> complaining quite a bit about this, is like this push to make all skis and bindings and boots lighter and lighter and lighter, but it is the case that right now, literally nobody that I talk to today or that I've been talking to in the lead up to this show, no one is really saying like, 
this is the lightest ski in the category. Yeah. No one is, I, I, somebody is making that claim because somebody has that claim, right? But nobody is saying that. Everybody is like, you know, yeah, we could have gone lighter, but we didn't. And so I, all that to say is I agree with you. Like, there's no question that weight is still a big concern and priority, but it is not, we're, it's not this race to be the lightest thing out there. Um, it's like, well, we could have gone a little lighter, but we dialed it back because we want to keep um, a certain performance envelope or range. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. Um, Which is uh, cool to see. Yeah. It's, I think it'll be more fun because a lot of that gear was overkill for the people using it. Mm-hmm. To, you know, in that category, um, I spent a good bit of time today looking at another AT boot that, um, you know, is kind of in that, it's, it's playing a bit in that, the Lang XT Free Tour, uh, Mountain Lab, um, Zero G, a little bit Dinafit Vulcan, but this new Dalbello Lupo TI Carbon, um, that isn't the lightest boot out there. I think the size 26.5 was coming in around 1650 grams. What I, what I, one, it's a cabrio boot which is interesting right now if you're looking for a high-end performance touring boot um i could be wrong but it, it it's one of the maybe few offerings out there in a cabrio style the second thing that i thought was really interesting about that boot um and we're going to have show notes um on the site that you can look at we'll have a few photos of these things so you should definitely check out the show notes to get some photos of the skis or boots that we're talking about here but that that uh, the Dalbello Lupo TI Carbon, it's actually slightly taller than the Lupo TI. Um, and this is one of the complaints that, uh, well, frankly, a complaint I've had and some other people have had, that in the weight shaving game, these touring boots are getting shorter and shorter, which is giving you a bit less leverage over the boot. So I was actually pretty psyched to see that that Lupo TI Carbon is actually a pretty tall boot. Um, so I am pretty intrigued by that thing, even if it isn't the lightest thing out there. Um, that's gonna be a good one for us to take a look at. Um, anything else in particular on the boot or ski side? Um, I mean, it, it seems like this year, uh, it, it happens more every year, but the smaller craft ski brands are becoming more, they're, they're becoming less out there and it's more like they're making a very competitive product with the mainstream brands. They're making a very similar ski instead of like, it seems like initially everyone was trying to differentiate yep. themselves by making something that was way different. And now it's like, oh yeah, we make a very good all mountain ski or, and it's, and it's dimension wise and construction and everything is very similar to those coming from the big brands. Um, and it's just, it just seems like kind of that pendulum is starting to level out, which is interesting to see. And it just means more options for good skis hopefully is would be the end result for consumers yep um yeah agreed agreed um it's funny i think for me personally coming into coming into this show i i expected all of the most interesting stuff to be happening on the backcountry side and so whether it was with these new sort of capable touring boots or with these very light yet pretty capable touring skis 
um, that's where I just expected to walk in today and, and um, be kind of most impressed or, you know, the buzz would be all around that stuff. I got to say, <laughs> I was kind of pleasantly surprised, uh, maybe, maybe just because I so wasn't expecting this, but there's actually some pretty good action happening on that sort of bigger, stiffer, directional kind of chargey ski front. Um, one of the things that I, we're gonna, I'm going to ask you guys about this in a minute, but the, um, uh, to give a little preview of our blister awards that we'll do, the, to me, my favorite metric of any SIA is what is the product that I most want to steal from the show? And today, interestingly for me, the product I most want to steal is, well, Dina Star is bringing back the Pro Rider. Uh, they're making it available only in a 192 centimeter length. Um, and they're bringing back this ski. It's, it's unchanged. It's got a great kind of murdered out graphic on it. Um, but it's a big mountain kind of charger. And I was surprised and interested to see that. Um, Vocal has this ski. We talked about it in size uh, uh, outdoor retailers coverage. Um, the Confession, um, it looks substantial. Uh, it's not stupid, stupid stiff. They only have it here at the show in a 193 the thing looks pretty great, like I'm dying to try this. And um, Rozzy, interestingly, um, Rosignol has kind of done away, mostly just in name, with their squad, uh, the Squad 7. Instead, they're calling it the, they have the Super, um, and the Rosignol has had the Super 7 before, and it's been kind of a pretty fun pow ski is what that's going for. The Squad was supposed to be this chargier big mountain ski they've ditched the name squad and they're now calling this the super 7 hd and that is the uh less burly ski and they are now what is replacing the squad is the super 7 rd and they basically have kind of made a bit burlier their squad 7 a little bit of a stiffer flex and um that squad the last iteration of it wasn't our favorite iteration of that ski, and so I'm super intrigued to, to check that out. So um, it's nice to see that, um, yeah, even if there is this overarching trend in skis and design to go lighter and kind of make things ever increasingly more forgiving and easy to ski, it's nice to see that there still is this presence um, for some bigger skis that are fun to make you know, go real fast on. Um, nice to see that. Um, okay, you guys. Tasha, product you most wanted to steal. Product I most wanted to steal. Um, I was pretty intrigued with Solomon's new QST line, yep. which is not the same as the Quest. They've done away with that, even though the names are similar. Um, they made the woman's skis line completely the same as the men's with different top sheets mm -hmm. and a recommended mount line a tiny bit back mm -hmm. from the men's. But it's the same, and they have a 106 underfoot that for the woman's is called the Stella. And it seemed like a pretty capable ski that was still forgiving, and it just looked fun to ski, kind of a 
pretty directional charging ski, but also lighter swing weight and kind of more playful mm -hmm. than a lot of, I don't know, what they've, than like the hard charging skis that yeah. have been put out. Yeah. But looks capable for just straight charging. Yep. Yeah, and on the men's side, so that, that Quest, or QST 106 and the QST 118, we just had Cody Townsend on the podcast, and Cody was gushing about the 118, saying it's his. He thinks it's the best ski Solomon has ever made, and um, those are going to be really fun. The 118, I would say, is not this super burly ski per se. It's not a noodle by any means, but it's not. It's not trying to be this super over the top stiff gun. Um, but it, it is, I mean, it, 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 the skis have a very distinctive look. We'll show you some photos of those on the site. Uh, but yeah, I'm with you. I, I think those things look like they could still be fairly substantial, um, and yet maybe have a playful side to them too. It would be fun to get on those and see what they're really about. Definitely. Scott, what are you, what are you seeing? What do you want to steal most? Um, I mean, I really like the poacher ski, but to be honest, the one product that I wanted to ski or wanted to steal most was um, the uh, so so Giro goggles is making a, uh, a version of the block goggle hmm. that uh, incorporates the uh, the Descendants album Milo Goes to College record um, cover art, and then it's sold <laughs> inside a coffee can because they were a bunch of straight edge punk rockers and they never drank; they just drank a lot of coffee. So I really want to steal that product. <laughs> Awesome. Um, we definitely are going to need a picture of this if you don't have it already. Oh, I, uh, I think I Snapchatted it. Oh. <laughs> of course you did. We do need a blister Snapchat. Uh, I, 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 will, I will be sure to take good photographs of that, that product because wow. they're actually going to be selling that in shops. I thought it was a joke. Now they have a whole display. Yeah. For the record, at the beginning of this when I said that I think I accused you of having terrible taste in music, I actually really enjoy talking about music with Scott. I just, the fact that he is so into fish, I find kind of unforgivable. But, um, but yeah, Scott, Scott, Scott has some well-developed, otherwise, uh, some well-developed. Uh, tastes in music. So. Yeah, I blew it. I only took a Snapchat. I don't have it on my camera roll. Well, we'll, we'll go. We'll we go will go back. It. We will we'll go, go back as it. soon as the recording yeah. of this is over. Sai, what did you want to steal today? Um, I mean, the best product at this show and at every outdoor show I've ever been to <laughs> is Darn Tufts ice cream machine. They make maple syrup ice cream with bacon bits. Uh. And that's literally the only reason I've survived any of my trade shows in my life. Yeah. It's really good. The, Jonathan, I, that actually that ice cream comb is literally the only thing I've eaten today. Uh, one pretzel. I had one, yeah. like one little, not like a big I got, pretzel. I got a I, waffle from the Vans uh, booth. Yeah. That was pretty cool. Hmm. Yeah, a waffle. Yeah. I need waffles. to. I need to go. Vans waffles. I need to go yeah. talk to Van because waffles sound amazing right now. Yeah. As far as actual like products that I use on the mountain. Yeah, that's a good um, one though. I mean, shout out to Darn Tough for yeah. for their ice cream machine, but. Seriously, um, the, there's a Kitten Factory, Kitten Factory Tours Light Ski, um, which is a super lightweight carbon, it's 108 underfoot, um, should be a pretty versatile ski, but it's a touring ski, obviously, from the name, um, but it's not necessarily as directional and traditional as a lot of the other touring skis um, in that range, and it's, like, just from hand flexing it and taking a look at it, it seems like it's the kind of thing where it could be a fun, playful ski on the way down without sacrificing that weight and speed on the way up. And it just looks like a really fun ski. Hmm. 
Yeah, it's crazy, crazy light. Yeah. But I ski park, so I would have no idea. Hmm. Um, I got to give a shout out. Um, vocals BMT line. Um, I mean, I've been still putting quite a few days on the Vocal BMT 109. Um, they have, Vocal has put a new top sheet on their BMT line. Um, and it, the claim here, and we'll see if this is true, I, we're gonna get on some of these new skis, but the claim here is that it is uh, going to be a top sheet that does a better job of shedding snow, which turns out, as everyone knows who actually tours, like snow buildup on a top sheet does <laughs> suddenly turn things a bit heavier. Um, so I'm curious about that, but, but um, that line just continues to look really good, and I'm, I've been so impressed with the BMT 109. We're really eager to get reviews done on the 122 and the 94, um, and it looks like they've managed to kind of make it yet another uh, advancement um, just in terms of the top sheets with those. So um, the other shout-out I want to give is we're not talking much on the outerwear side. We, we're going we're gonna to go tomorrow and spend, spend a good amount of time checking that out more, but we got to give another bit of props to the Patagonia Merino Air base layer because we already, I wrote a review on that <clears throat> for us, um, but I've been giving that thing away as like a gift and we've gotten some other reviewers in that thing. It looked so gimmicky, gimmicky to me initially. That thing is really phenomenal. And so uh, in lieu of talking about any new stuff that we're seeing right now, um, I think we've got to give props to, because I hate all, only always talking about the new stuff. Like that thing is still a remarkable product and um, I think they deserve credit for, for really switching up the base layer game in a what seemed like a gimmick but turns out is just a really super effective um, product. So while I have yet to use that product, I'd like to give it a shout out as well for making Jonathan look like a Teletubb when he wears it. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I, fortunately, I look good all in blue with the blue hood up. It's like a very sexy Teletubby, I would God. argue. Don't go down that road. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, anything else that we need to do? A We're going to wrap this up here. Um, anything else we need to give a shout out to? Um, stuff you're interested in checking out tomorrow? Um. Shouts out to all the companies that haven't given up on terrain park skiing yet. There you go. Keep going. Keep doing your thing. There's a light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, everybody with, that has free food and free beer. But um, definitely the outerwear side of things is something that we'll be hopping into more in the next couple days. And it seems like there's a couple pretty interesting trends as far as layering and installation, um, where potentially the way we look at that could change, which would be pretty awesome. Nice. Um, I want to give a shout out to Solomon, actually, because I I kept having this sinking suspicion that I was gonna. I, I purposely like hadn't talked to anybody at Solomon about this, but I had this sinking suspicion, sneaking suspicion. I think one has <laughs> not a sinking, a sinking feeling or a sneaking suspicion that I was gonna show up and they're gonna be like, "Yo, we killed the X Drive 8.8 because we only care about lightweight shit now." I'm happy to report the X Drive 8.8 is back it has a new top sheet on it but the ski is unchanged so for people who actually like to ski very very fast on stiff skis um 
you know, we, we, we're safe for another year. Um, <laughs> and um, I still love that ski. Um, so yeah, I was, I was happy to see that. I was legitimately nervous that they were just gonna be like, yeah, we stopped making it. Um, so that's my shout out. Well, cool guys. Um, well, thanks everybody for listening. Um, uh, we will get back to our investigation. We're gonna go get that picture of whatever Scott's weird goggle that he needs us to go take a look at that comes in a coffee can. Shouts um, out to Straight Edge Punk. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, we will get back to it. Um, again, check out the show notes um, for this podcast. We'll have a bunch of pictures and stuff from SIA there. And um, we'll keep doing our thing here. And then come Sunday or Monday, we will be on snow starting to test some of this stuff um, as we do. So thanks. We'll uh, talk to you guys later. And um, we'll go get on the, go get on the future.